When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Harry Winks right at the last. Dele Alli. Lamella. To Dombele. Hugo Lloris. And he saved it. And the fouls. Shishenko. So not a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Absolutely stunning. And welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well out there. Thank you for joining us for a very special show. Been a while since I've been on, so I just want to say a massive thank you for all the lovely messages, texts, uh, WhatsApps, my God, DMs that I've received over the last month. I am here. I am alive. Our baby boy was born uh, around a month ago now, so we're adapting to new life. And we've got a very special show to bring you on The Last Word on Spurs here. First up, before we unveil who we've got, delighted to have back alongside me, been a while, the wonderful Jamie Brown from the Daily Hotspur. Jay, how are you? Yeah, very good. And of course, we yeah, are really looking forward to this show. Of course, we've got the fantastic Alistair Gold on, um, you know, in my opinion, the top Spurs journalist. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting into this show. Very much indeed. And Jay, I have to say a massive thank you for uh, being the man to save my life over the last month or so. It's been a pleasure, like I say, having you uh, help me along. And like I say the boys have been incredible the last month or so on this podcast. So thank you all out there for listening, for downloading each and every week. Well, there you go. Jamie said we've got the man. We have got the man, in our humble opinion. Tottenham Hotspurs, top correspondent. The go-to man, whether it's on transfers, team news, you know, injuries, whatever it's about Tottenham, you can find this man. The wonderful Alistair Gold joins us. Alistair, how are you? I'm good. I don't know about all of that, but it's a lovely intro. Thank you very much. And uh, great to be here and Happy New Year to you both. Oh, Happy New Year to you too. Thank you for joining us. Of course, we're recording during transfer season. I know we don't want to talk about transfers straight away. We're going to come on to them very, very soon. But I think, Ali, only one place to start this show. Spurs, as we record at the moment, we're sitting currently joint fourth in the Premier League. Just four points off the top of the league into the knockout stages of the Europa League with a cup final to come. How nice does that sound? A cup final to come in April. What have you personally made of Spurs' start to the season under Jose Mourinho? Oh, what we all been moaning about, eh? No, I know, I know there's a lot more to it than that, but on paper, it sounds absolutely brilliant, doesn't it? It really does. Um, obviously, we know that it's a bizarre league this year. Everything is, you know, it's so tight. Even the top half of the table, you can be in the bottom half with a couple of defeats. So, yeah, it's it's been a very uh, strange season to match a very strange year or so for everyone. Um, Jose Mourinho Tottenham is kind of what we expected it to be, if we're going to be brutally honest. We knew it would be a very pragmatic Tottenham, a very efficient Tottenham, uh, maybe not the sexy football all the time. You know, we see glimpses of it. We see little moments. I think there's so much quality within the squad. You can't keep it down and repressed for that long, the, the nice football. Um but ultimately, on the whole, they're getting the job done. We'd probably like to see a little bit more of uh, 
you know, some of the, like the old Trafford uh, result, the performance in Southampton in the second half and West Ham first half. We want to see a bit more of that. Players unshackled and Mourinho's kind of making a point at the moment. That's what he wants to see as well. So hopefully, you know, as the season progresses, uh, we'll see a bit more of it, but probably not too much to complain about right now. But as I said, everything can kind of swiftly change in this game, and especially in this season. Yeah, so just keeping it on style, actually, obviously that's been a really controversial topic. I know lots of fans have kind of, yes, we've been getting the results and maybe they've accepted it, but I still think a large portion of the fan base are still haven't quite bought into this way of playing yet. Do you feel the players are kind of buying into it and they kind of really, they understand the way that Jose Mourinho is kind of making making them play? And do you think the fan base will, will eventually all buy into it? Well, two very different questions there. I think the players are buying into it. Definitely. There's very few dissenting voices. Actually, there's no dissenting voices. You know, normally if someone in a camp would kind of speak out a turn a little bit. They're all on the same page. I mean, wow, the mantra of all about the next game. Honestly, we must have heard that 3,000 times. It's what Mourinho wants them to say. It's what they say. It doesn't matter who they are. Could be a young player, you know, Jack Clark coming into the team just for his couple of minutes. It can be Harry Kane, Laurie Sosson. They're all kind of speaking from his hymn sheet, as it were, uh, singing from it even. Um, and, yeah, no, I think the players are bought in. I mean, you know, just look at Tongi Ondimbele. That's a player that could have easily been bombed out of the club, could have given up on everything. But clearly he's decided, I, I, I believe in this guy, you know. I've seen what his track record is. I know what he can do, what the silverware that comes in at every single club he's been at. Might not agree with the methods. I might not agree with the style sometimes, but kind of a, a means to an end, as it were. Um, and yeah, now the players are certainly, um, you know, every. I'm trying to think of any player that hasn't kind of spoken about trusting Mourinho. So key word as well that keeps coming up. Even Harry Winks, you know, a player that's been in and out of the squad um, when he was interviewed after the game uh, at Leeds, he was very much about you know, believing in what this manager's done. It's a very different manager to what we've been used to, but what he's done is for there for everyone to see. It's uh, it's a difficult one. The fans, now that's a different matter. That's, um, it depends, you know, I don't want to be flippant because I don't like that at all, but I, I'm often told about the Tottenham way, you know. I My dad would take me to Spurs matches as a kid, so I'm very aware of the, the Tottenham way. I've grown up very much steeped in it. If, if you're going to be entirely brutal about it, the Tottenham way has been a lovely way, but it hasn't brought a league title in 60 years. It's And I get it, and I get the attachment to it and the lovely football, the wonderful football the Spurs have had over the years. You know, we were talking earlier about Ginolar and Van de Vaar and, and Bale and his pomp, and, and before that, you know, all the, the great players that did actually win league titles, you know, the uh, the Blanche Flowers and, and uh, Mackays and people like that. But Ultimately, in the modern era, it's brought nothing. Um, so I'm quite intrigued to see if this style of football does bring trophies, if it does bring a Carabao Cup, if it brings an FA Cup and, oh, you know, a Premier League title. Who knows? Will the fans just say, you know, OK, well, that was a totally different experience. Did we actually enjoy it? I think they probably would for the end, you know, the end of it all. Um, even if the football... Like I say, I said it earlier, I don't think with the quality of the likes of Kane and Son, you can totally repress the good football. We've seen it, you know, we've seen brilliant goals. Um, yes, 
there are minutes when in the press box we're probably like glancing around and then kind of, you know, there's little dull moments in the game where it all goes a bit quiet and Spurs are sitting back. But there's enough moments of quality in every game to kind of make it worth it. Um, and yeah, I do. I'd be interested to see how the fans react. I think much just depends on whether that silverware does come in, of course. And if it does, I'd be interested to see who decides it was worth it. It's always, I think, a topic with the style of football, like you say, Ali, there. It's one of those where, you know, Mourinho would probably say it's winning football. You look what he's won in the game. You know, he's a serial winner, 26, 27 trophies. No matter what the league is, no matter the country, he's always gone and won trophies. And I think, like I say, as fans now, we are recording on the back of Tottenham reaching a cup final. Dustin says, what a treat to 2021 to kick off. As I say, Ali, you've touched upon there about the atmosphere and the team right now, about does the group get along with Mourinho and being a factor. He says here, Dustin, could this group continue to grow together if setbacks do occur? I mean, I think we've already had a couple of setbacks anyway. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's a strong group. I mean, you've, he's, it was a very clever transfer policy in the summer. Whatever you you think about some of the signings and whether they fully um, reached their potential or what we wanted from them, the mentality of the players brought in has totally added a... I mean, they're, they're, you know, don't get me wrong. Under Pochettino, there was a very good mentality. They, you know, they'd score a lot of late goals. Spurs, you know, no more so than the night in Amsterdam. You know, so there was a mentality there. But I think now it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to use the word he used. Uh, intelligent so and sos. That's what he's after. Um, and I think, you know, Hoybier has been fantastic. And the just the whole mentality he's brought to the team. He's not going to be, you know unsettled by setbacks you look at last night he didn't even want to come off he had a broken shin pad blood gushing down his leg he had no interest in coming off there essentially had to force him off the pitch um joe hart much derided but it's another big voice big kind of leader in the dressing room um you know bale and regalon they've been there they've won it um i'm missing someone as well aren't i so you know, every, every player that's been brought in has been, oh, even even Matt Doherty, his experience, you know, again, whatever you think of him, he's he's um, he's been at the kind of the top with Wolves for a couple of years. He knows what he's doing. And I think add that to the Lorries, the Kane, the Son, that are all older players now, kind of heading towards their mid to late 20s. Lorries obviously a bit older. Alderweireld in there. They know what they're doing. They're not going to knock back by setbacks. And they've got the squad now to deal with the even the injury crisis they had last year. This squad can kind of soak that up, I think. Everyone's kind of bought into Mourinho's way of playing now. Uh, obviously, according to the Amazon documentary, I think there is one player that maybe hasn't bought into the way that Mourinho wanted to play, and that player being Danny Rose. Um, of course, you know, such a disappointing way that his, you know, his Spurs career has come to an end, really. Um, obviously, the fantastic, you know, the way it started with our goal against Arsenal. He had those fantastic couple of seasons as one of the best left backs in the league. Um, but unfortunately, it looks as though he might leave this summer. Do you see us, oh, this summer, this January? Do you see like there's a way the club may, might try to get him off the books this, this, this January? Sounds awful to say about a guy that's been at the club for 13 years, but I think they have mm. to for him as well. It's just again, sounds terrible to say, but he's barely a footballer now. He's not playing football, he's not playing matches. He plays the odd under-23 match when they're at home sometimes. Um, and I don't know whether it's a case of having to maybe lower his expectations of the move that he'll get, the next club, I don't know. But I just found it really odd that over the summer, you know, he was available for that entire period. Spurs would not have taken a big fee for him with 12 months left and a the player they want wanted off the books, were never going to register in the squad. 
So you can only imagine, really, that the offers that were coming in were not to his liking. And you think, was that really better than just sitting there and seeing out your contract? Um, it'll be the same again this month. You know, Spurs and the player will look at anything that comes in. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if nothing happens, whether they just both to come to try and come to some agreement of just cancelling his contract. Because what's the point for him as well? You know, if he had any last hopes of being at the Euros even, you know, and Newcastle, he was still playing for England, I think. Um, and now he's just like, almost like a forgotten player, which is so sad for a guy that did so much for Spurs, but just ever since that knee injury. I remember sitting up in the gods at the Stadium of Light at Sunderland the night he did it. I think it was transfer deadline day, 1 January, actually. And I just don't think anyone realised the impact of what that knee injury would have. Just never the same player since... And it kind of, well, as he's admitted, spiralled a lot of kind of issues with himself and the way he kind of dealt with problems. And, and yeah, he just, just had a bit of a mare, which is such a, sh a shame, because obviously as journalists, when we ever interview him, he's a fascinating guy to interview. Very intelligent chap, very honest, um, but maybe too honest. Um, and it just, yeah, I just feel so, it's kind of sorry for him in a way. Um, but like I say, if... if you know, I know Bournemouth, for example, have always been interested in him. You just wonder, like, yeah, it's a step down, but go to a club like that, rebuild yourself. He's still only, I think, 29, 30. He's not even that old. He could have another four or five years or more playing at any level. You know, it just might not be the level he was always used to. But, yeah, it's a shame. It is a massive shame. And, and you know, he was a good servant for Spurs. So just to confirm, nothing on Milan then? Nothing on Milan, no, Dan, uh, no, Daniel. No. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, obviously, Ali, uh, the, the vibe at the moment is that you know, given Spurs' transfer activity in the summer, it has the feeling that January window will be mainly more about outgoings rather than incomings. That's the feeling at the moment. I know we're going to maybe touch upon players that have been linked a bit later on, but to kind of go back to players that might be leaving the club. Jensen Fernandez, you know, a lot was made about Jensen when he came to the club. You know, this 18-month loan deal, a promising youngster. Um, Spurs had stolen the march of him from West Ham United. We can't forget that at the time. What's happened there, Ali? You know, lack of football hasn't really, you'd maybe say, had many opportunities. Why has it not worked out for Jensen? And again, do you think the chances are he'll probably end up going back to Benfica before the end of the month? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked if there's not some kind of deal worked out to, to end the loan. I think it all just comes down to finances and whether, you know, how much Spurs have got left to pay on the deal um, and how that all works, uh, whether they come to some kind of mutual agreement. I mean, he's a, he's a funny player. He's a very talented player. He's got a lot of skill, but I'd probably say the biggest problem with him is he's never really found a position. And I think in a Mourinho team, which is very regimented, very... Uh, structured, having kind of, well, he was, again, touching on Dembele, you know, he's a guy that has had to fit into Mourinho's system. And with uh, Jensen, he is, yeah, he's, he's kind of one of these, as you'd say, like a mercurial talent kind of player who, you know, I mean, like, they were even trying him at right back to see if they could find a role for him. Um, and he looked fantastic, albeit against, I think it was Ipswich in pre-season. And yeah, it, it's such a shame. I asked uh, Mourinho about him it was a couple of weeks back, just because I wanted to know exactly like you just asked me, kind of what's going on? And he was very good about it and very open and just said, look, it's been incredibly tough for him. He's been, despite the fact that his confidence is rock bottom, he has not missed a single minute of training, apparently, since he arrived at the club, which is, is phenomenal. Especially, you know, he could have cried off, he could have called in sick, you know, he could have come up with any excuse just not to be there. But he's obviously 
you know, we'll come to it in a bit. The squad issues with the foreign players. So he was left out of the Europa, uh, Europa League, uh, which would have been the main avenue for minutes, especially with the extra subs. So he's had so few opportunities. I'm trying to remember. I think only, was it the Chelsea game? I'm trying to think of the only games actually played in. I think yeah. it was the Chelsea. yeah the Carabao League Cup against yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, he rocked up on the bench the other day. Everyone was like, whoa, <laughs> where's he come from? And that just kind of showed you, like, the injuries they had and stuff like that. But uh, I do feel sorry for him. But he's a young guy. It's right at the start of his career. You know, we're not talking about Danny Rose where it's all kind of coming to, uh, you know, the latter stages of his career. You know, with, with Jensen, he's got a long career ahead of him. It hasn't worked out in England. Um, you know, there was an incredibly daft um, option to buy fee. It was a silly amount, which was never going to be taken up, really, unless he became an absolute star um, so yeah, I mean, he just kind of needs to probably go back to Portugal, rebuild his, I hate to say brand, but it, that's kind of what it is nowadays, rebuild his, his career a little bit, and uh, yeah, he'll make a very good player one day, it's just probably not going to be at Spurs. Yeah, so just on another player who's kind of really fallen down the pecking order at Spurs, uh, obviously Paolo Gazzaniga, now of course Joe Hart's come in and he's really taken that number two jersey, now I also see when we kind of talk about it in the last one in Spurs, a lot of fans come back to us and say, well, actually, Paolo Gazzaniga, they all think he might be a better goalkeeper than Joe Hart. So is he a player that you think will potentially leave in January? Um, is he a guy that we're looking to get out the door, maybe? There's a lot of passion about Paolo Gazzaniga. He's a very well-liked man. He's, a, he's a, you know, I don't know whether it's the fact that he's a, a very good-looking man. I know he inspires a lot of passion out of people, but um, he's a funny one. Um, he... If I'm going to be brutally honest, I think he's a he's a good keeper to come in from time to time. I think he's proved that. He's had some good performances. I'd maybe argue that when we actually got to see him on a real run of games, uh, when Loris was out with the elbow injury, I think maybe it showed that he's probably not a top four goalkeeper. Um, you know, that, that top, top level, which kind of, you know, when you think back, there was a little time, wasn't there, when people were saying he should be starting ahead of Loris which kind of looks a bit mm, iffy now when you're kind of with a bit of hindsight. Um, and I think the biggest problem, again, for him, and it sounds so xenophobic, but that he's foreign. <laughs> it's like, you know, essentially, as soon as they brought in an experienced homegrown keeper, when with the foreign player issues, that immediately stuck him out to the uh, outskirts of the team, essentially, because it meant you could register Joe Hart, you had Alfie Whiteman or Brandon Austin could step in, and suddenly Gazaniga became very much a peripheral figure. Um, and, yeah, Joe Hart's the kind of guy that wants... I mean, he wants to play the Premier League matches, let alone the Cup matches. So, you know, to bring him in, there was always going to be a little bit of a... Not a guarantee, but he would have been told coming in that he was coming in as a number two. Um, as far as I'm aware, Spurs were willing to listen to offers to Gazaniga in the January window. Uh, sorry, in the summer window towards the end. I wouldn't imagine that position has changed in any way for January. I think if a decent deal came in, and to be honest, for him, probably just wants to play football. So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if he stands in the way of leaving the club. It's just as long as it's the right move. Um, but yeah, I can understand why some people be a bit upset. Obviously, Joe Hart, I'd say he's been okay. He probably hasn't covered himself in enormous glory, but I wouldn't say he's been as bad as some people make out. Um, but yeah, for Paolo Gazaniga, it's, it's, we're probably coming to the end of that spell. I'd be interested to see how many Argentines are, are left by the time Mourinho leaves the club in whenever he goes. 
It's true. I mean, it's very, very true. Uh, another young player, um, I say young player, one that we actually have real high hopes for. We hope that you know he's got a long-term future is Jack Clark. He's been linked with a whole host of championship clubs we've seen this week. Ali, what's happening with him? Do you think, you know, get that loan move to have the opportunity to play regular football? Because you feel like with, with Jack, he's going to need football to have the opportunity to kind of show Mourinho what he can do. Yeah, I think they'll spin that one out probably for a little bit longer in this window, just to see how they're going with injuries and stuff. I'd love to see him get some minutes uh, against Marine, you know, especially as you can now have nine subs in the FA Cup. Um, it's an interesting one with him. He was kind of, everyone expects him to go out on loan in the summer. Um, and then Spurs essentially, well, he, he went in for pre-season. Mourinho really took to him, was really impressed with him. Uh, and Spurs made a decision rather than accept, like they had quite a few loan offers from the championship and they rebuffed all of them. Um, they kind of decided that it might be best, just certainly for the first half of the season, just have him in training alongside like Kane, Bale, Son, players like that, just picking up all of their good habits and, and help his development. You know, he's still, what's he, 19, is he 20 maybe, he's just turned 20 recently. He's, uh, he's got, like I say, we're well, saying with similar thing with Jensen, but obviously this is a guy that Spurs have bought. Um, and they wanted to develop him. I think January is slightly different. I think it's now a time to decide at the end of the month, is it worth, yeah, getting him that game time, getting him, they've got to pick a right club. Um, you know, Spurs have made a little bit of a mess when it comes to Jack Clark's loan clubs. The move back to Leeds was all a bit of a mess, uh, especially because they had too many loan players. Uh, QPR wasn't the right fit, just didn't work out for him there at all. They need to make sure that it's a club doesn't have to be a promotion chasing championship club it just needs to be a club i'd say the championship that gives him regular football week in week out get him used to again because you know he was really coming through at Leeds in that last season he was um, obviously had a, a little moment on the bench a little kind of a scare didn't he that um essentially took it out of him and he wasn't probably the same player that season after that but before that he was getting plenty of experience i think maybe now he's had a little development time alongside some of the best, you know, if you can't learn from Son and Bale how to be a winger, uh, you know, you've got no chance. And I'm sure he has picked up from it. And now it's about kind of putting that to use on a football pitch. Yeah, so obviously, I think the big story in terms of outgoings potentially this uh, this month will be Deli Ali. Obviously, his situation's been really difficult this season and uh, I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans will be very disappointed with the way that he has been treated and uh, maybe feel he does deserve a chance. But you feel as though with the Euros coming up, maybe he will want to try and force them through a move. Do you see anything maybe developing with that? Do you think Spurs might try to sanction either a buy option or a loan option this, this month? I think that's one that, I'm not going to compare it to Jack Clark, but it's a similar situation in terms of maybe just letting it rumble a little bit later into the window, purely because of the injury issues. You know, Lacelso, we don't know when he's going to be back yet. There's some talk that it might be for much of January's out. Uh, Bale obviously isn't back yet. And Delhi is really, I mean, we've seen it a little bit with Harry Winks and Davinson Sanchez, with players that, you know, certain fans are saying they sell him in January. And then suddenly they're starting matches again because the squad is that kind of fluid in terms of you have one player who's knackered or injured, you have to kind of, you have to use your squad, especially with the crazy fixture list that Spurs have got. And I think with Delhi, I think they're going to have to take a proper hard, long look at it this January, see what they've got in terms of personnel, who's out injured. And if Delhi does go, you've got to have a ready-made replacement coming in. Um, and, you know, 
I see what people say on Twitter sometimes. I've had people suggesting to me, ah, oh, but if Delhi goes, Sabitzer comes in and all this sort of stuff. And it's a bit like, oh, no, it doesn't quite work like that because of the homegrown issues and stuff like that and the foreign player limit issues. So they'd have to very much be sure they have a, the right player coming in. Um, personally, I'd be gutted if Delhi goes. I think he's an incredible talent. I think he's just lost his mojo in probably the last 18 months or so. I think the player is still inside there. I think PSG, especially now with Poch going there, will certainly want to try and prize him away. Um, Poch, no doubt, would believe, you know, even though Poch probably saw a lot of the um, kind of the downturn in form that Delhi had, probably right until the last maybe few weeks of the Poch reign, I think. Um, he'll he'll believe though that he can get something out of Delhi, and kind of restore him to former glories. Um, and there's a kind of a, there's a split inside the clubs. You know, there's certainly a lot of people that don't want to see him go permanently. They believe that if you can just get him back to where he was, he'll fly again. Um, but then also, doing a loan deal for such a big player is also it's a bit of a strange one. You know, I, I think if there was any loan to be had, you'd probably see it with some kind of option at the end of it to move. Um, like I say, personally, I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm sure Deli Ali unfortunately, would probably want it to happen. Can I ask you, Ali? I'm going to ask you a very hypothetical question on Delhi. This is still a very young player, very, very young, young player. Jose Mourinho, we know with Jose, tends to only last at clubs two to three seasons. Do you think, is there any way at Tottenham, maybe they're thinking, you know, give Delhi that loan, give him the opportunity to go and play, and just, I'm not suggesting for one moment Mourinho's at risk here at all whatsoever, because he's doing a, you know, based on results, based on where we're at at the moment, and I don't think you can argue too much about league position, what we're doing in the Cups. But is there a feeling that could Delhi still outlast Jose Mourinho? Or is that very difficult to say right now, bearing in mind the lack of football? I'm just trying to understand in my mind how a player, you know, goes from being one of the first names on the team sheet under Jose only last season. You know, we watched the Amazon documentary. There was clearly, when he came in, a lot of love there. You know, for Alex, Alex Ferguson said, you know, sign Delhi. That was his message to Jose Mourinho. And you just wonder how have we got to this point now where Delhi is not even getting on the pitch not even getting on the pitch last night in that uh, Carabao Cup semi-final. It's just quite incredible. Yeah, I mean, you know, Delhi, his natural ability, you know, he was one of the best young players in Europe. I don't think that's changed. I think just the way, I don't know, I don't know how to put it really, just kind of, he was never going to be able to uh, maintain the ridiculous kind of rate of ascent that he was going at. It was just incredible. Um, you know, he was outscoring the records of, Gerard, Scholes, Lampard, all of these players. And I think there was always going to naturally be a dip. I think maybe people are just a bit surprised at how long the dip's been. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, the, the other aspect, obviously, of a loan with Delhi is financial. You know, it's Spurs as a club, as many clubs do right now, they need the money. If they do have any designs on bringing in a player this window, they need money. They've, they've, they're really struggling. You know, they took that big loan out we know that but that was very much with the strict proviso as Daniel Levy said when it when he got it that it wasn't for transfers it wasn't for player stuff so they've very much been operating within the means they had before the loan and that includes obviously a year that's been a an absolute nightmare for well all businesses in the world with the coronavirus but yeah I just think a loan for me it kind of it serves a purpose for Delhi and potentially in a longer term for Spurs I just wonder whether Spurs I think I think they'd have to have the option of something financial at the end of it because I just can't see 
I can't see it happening, which is such a shame because I, I want to see him succeed at Spurs. But the current Deli Ali just can't clearly, unless it's a major injury crisis, comes into the team and just makes himself undroppable. I can't see him kind of forcing his way into Mourinho's plans. One final question on Deli before I ask you yeah. about Hugo. I just wonder, Ali, the relationship with Jose Mourinho. Again, I kind of refer back to this Amazon documentary where he said, you will know when I no longer want you at this football club. Is there that feeling with Delhi because he's still getting on the bench? Um, maybe he's not playing, but do we know if there's any relationship still there with Jose and how that is? Because we saw his reaction against, I think it was Stoke, where he came off. He looked very, very frustrated because I think, as many fans felt, he was maybe thrown under the bus by Jose for this little flick. He goes and wins the man the match on Twitter, although, be it whatever you make of that, you know, is there still a relationship between the two? Seems to be. We kind of haven't heard anything otherwise. And even noises that you hear coming out of Delhi's camp, there's, there's been no kind of claims, you know, like with Ondembele, there was constantly coming out of his people around him. There was always noises about the relationship. We haven't really had that. Do you know what? If I could be a fly on a wall at any point, it would be at halftime in the Everton match on the first day of the season. Something, 100%. whatever it was, 100%. no one is mm. no one is speaking about it, but no. something happened at mm. halftime. Because everything stemmed from that moment. You remember that pre-season? Yeah. Eric Dyer was saying, we're seeing the old Delhi. I'm so excited. Mm. And Mourinho said exactly the same. Yeah. Then bang, 45 minutes at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then suddenly something, everything went wrong. And he pretty much, from that moment on, I think other than coming on at Old Trafford, didn't even appear in a Premier League squad for like 10, 12, maybe 9, 10 games, something like that. Mm. So whatever it was originated, I think, from that moment. Um... Oh, it's just so sad to see. It really is. It really kind of, it's a bit like how Ondebele was going last season. I just was really kind of, it was so disappointing to see because you knew the talent in the player. And I think it's the same with Delhi. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely gutted if he leaves, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the next month brings. Yeah. Sticking on the Pochettino vibe that we've kind of found ourselves on at the moment, bringing him up. Obviously, Poch has gone to Paris Saint-Germain and that means a whole host of Spurs players are naturally being linked with a move to Paris, one of them being Spurs' captain, Hugo Lloris. Now, I mean, at the moment, you know, Hugo's still got, I think, a couple of years left to run on his contract. You know more than me, Ali. I mean, yeah. do you think we should be concerned about Hugo's future at the moment? I mean, there's been, again, reports that we're potentially looking at maybe someone like West Ham, Sam Johnston, Dean Henderson of Manchester United. Is there any concern about the moment about with uh, Hugo Lloris? This is where I say no, and then he suddenly goes tomorrow <laughs> saying, but... At the moment, every, every, everyone's delighted with Hugo. I, I think personally as well, I think he's probably been in the best form he's been in the last six months for Spurs or so. I think pretty much when he came back from lockdown, yeah, for the second, you know, the end portion of last season, I thought from that point on, I thought he was phenomenal. Um, I think working with a new goalkeeping coach in uh, Nuno Santos, you know, not to say that Tony Jimenez was bad at all. I think just sometimes when you've been with someone for five or six years doing the same drills, same things, just a fresh kind of look at your game, I think it reinvigorated him, um, taking the kicking out of the game. Um, you know, that obviously was a little bit of a, an issue, um, trying to pass and the, the Pochettino kind of keeping the possession at the back. He hasn't had to do that. I think he's been fantastic. Mourinho, honestly doesn't stop going on about him. He's always quick to praise him. I don't think there's any chance there of Spurs or Mourinho wanting to lose him. He doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, declining. Uh, now he's in his 30s. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, Poch and 
Laurie's had a very special relationship. You know, they called each other friends rather than, uh, you know, I think Poch even referred to him as like one of his coaching staff. Um, but I think that's that's one for the maybe more the future when Laurie perhaps wants to go back to France and wind down his career. I'd be stunned if you see that. Certainly not this window. I'd be surprised if it was the summer either, but maybe just one for the long term down the line. Yeah, just, just another one, of course, on that, sticking on the PSG subject, potentially Sergio, of course, is one of his former clubs. Um, there have been some tentative links in terms of linking him to PSG. Is there any any chance that we might see him at PSG? Sergio's a funny one. Every time you kind of think he's all settled and everything, he kind of says something that indicates that he'd be happy to go somewhere or noises come from the people around him. Um, and I'd actually argue, other than the the odd silly mistake, which are actually less at the moment, I think he's had a really good season. I think even last night, um, sorry, you know, in the um, the semi-final, I thought his defending was superb. You know, he's probably, I'd say he's actually less of an attacking threat than he used to be. But actually in terms of his defending, you know, we all remember that moment in the Amazon documentary of the, was it, was it before the Olympiacos match when he said he was scared of him giving away a penalty? It's kind of like, other than the Leicester mistake, I think that's kind of been a rarity in terms of big mistakes. Yes, he still gives silly free kicks away around the box. I think most fullbacks do that. I don't think that's just limited to Aurier. But I think overall, he's, he's really concerned with his defending. Um, he's got a special place in his heart for PSG, definitely. Would I think that Pochettino would be desperate to get Serge Aurier into his team? I'd probably say no. I'd say of all the players we mentioned so far, I'd probably say Aurier is probably down the list a bit. Um, but I know he was very interested in the AC Milan move. Um, God, it wasn't even last summer, was it? It was the summer before. Um, yeah, I think probably right now is probably not the time for Aurier to leave. I think he's kind of winning his battle with Matt Doherty at the moment as well. So he's going to be playing the majority of matches. Maybe one they revisit in the summer. I think when he spoke about the move, about a year ago, 18 months ago, it was to do with personal reasons. So I don't know whether it was a family thing or or something or whether he wanted to get back closer to France. I don't know, technically, whether Italy, I suppose, is slightly closer to France. It depends how you look at it, really. Um, yeah, I think probably right now, Serge is probably as settled as he has been. Um, one to look at in the summer. Superb. Well, listen, we're going to go for a very quick break. When we return, so much more on the agenda. We're talking Gareth Bale, Will we see Gareth Bale become the plan, the star we all want Gareth to become in this next part of the season? Sergio Regulon, how he's got on so far. Joe Roden, what's going to happen with Joe Roden? When will he get his opportunity? Also, potential players, potential players coming in. And a whole host of your listener questions to come. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short Hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on Spurs, joined by the brilliant Jamie from the Daily Hotspur and the wonderful Alistair Gold joining us on this very special edition of the last word on Spurs. And I'm going to hand back to Jamie to kickstart this second half. Yeah, look, one one player that we really wanted to speak about and I'm sure all the Spurs fans will want to hear about is uh, obviously Gareth Bale. Um, Such an exciting time when he came back to the club. Um, And then, of course, you know, all the time around that everyone was very excited to see him come back into the team. But he's he has he's really hasn't been able to hit the ground running at the moment. It has been a difficult time for him. Uh, I think as the as the time we're recording this, of course, he's out injured at the moment. Uh, I think we've seen he's played almost yeah, 599 minutes, which really isn't a lot of football. Do you kind of see him maybe improving to in the second half of the season? Do you think that he might get back up to full fitness and that will really help him become the player that we were hoping he might be? And um, 
you know, what might happen, you know, what might happen in terms of next season? Would there be an extra loan? I, I'm probably a far too optimistic person at times, with, with especially with football. Um, I think we will. I think we'll see a very good Gareth Bale at some point this season. He's just got to get a run of steam behind him, essentially. He's a guy who, you know, barely played football last season in Madrid, had the injury problems, didn't have a pre-season this time around, then went away, which kind of probably in hindsight was, wasn't the greatest thing to do, was go away and play for uh, Wolves, play for Wales, pick up an injury, wipe himself out of the first month of his new move. Um, and then I think he just hasn't really ever trusted his body since. Um, you know, we, we've seen the games, we've seen little flashes of when he just might kind of open up and go on a run and you see him drift past a couple of players and then the next time he doesn't do it. Um, and I think that's just purely kind of worry about muscles and things like that. And unfortunately, this latest injury has probably only confirmed that fear with him, which was probably the worst thing to happen. He was kind of starting to get to a stage where you thought he was going to start Premier League matches more regularly. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think it's still early days. You're looking at a very, I think the way I described it way back when he first signed was like essentially having a, a Ferrari in your garage that's all covered up. It hasn't been used for years. You know, you've got to kind of blow the dust out of it. It's got to go for a proper run and he can get it up and going. I still think that will be the way with Bale. Um, it's just going to take a little while. It's going to take a much more confidence from himself. I think, um, to be fair, I'm kind of not saying anything particularly. I think Mourinho's kind of touched on this. He said it's, it's about almost ignoring his body. He's become too used to listening to the little telltale signs of when something maybe isn't quite right. Yet. And maybe it's just about having a bit more trust in himself rather than the, the, the muscles and all of that. Because um, he's a wonderful player. He'll be a different player. Anyone expecting the 2013 bail to come back, you know, was, was sadly slightly deluded themselves, you know. Yes, he came out and said, I've still got the pace and all that. He never... You know, you can't go away for, what, seven, eight years, uh, well, seven years, and come back and, and be that young guy that absolutely ripped the Premier League to shreds. He was never going to be that. He was going to come back a, a wiser, cleverer, um, you know, tactically more adept player, and also one with a hell of a lot of skill and ability. And I do still think we'll see that. It's just about getting him, um, yeah, that confidence. And in terms of the second year and the loan, Spurs have got the option there. They want it. Um yeah, it's up to what he does in the second half of the season. He's going to be needed. There's going to be a lot of injuries. And and I hope he's more than just needed. I hope he does become a key player. Um, but yeah, you look at it again in the summer, you see what he's done and you work out whether wage-wise it's worth it for the second year. I hope it is, because if it is, then he's had a cracking end of the season. Obviously, Ali, we've seen a lot of reports coming out of Spain, you know, a lot about saying you know, the, the performances haven't been left much to be desired. Uh, Spurs, at the moment, with the way things are, probably will not be looking to take up the option of a second season. I know it's difficult because I don't think the club are going to come out and say they're unhappy with the way things are at. Do you think at the moment, is he is he below what maybe the expectations were as to you look back now? Or do you think at the moment it's very difficult to put a statement on things where he has not, you've said, had regular football for a long, long time? Isn't it shocking that the media out of Madrid are saying, writing negative things about Bale? <laughs> Who'd have thought? <laughs> it's like, Sarcasm, it's yeah. like, come on, guys. Um... <laughs> Look, when he first came to the club, honestly, I, you know, speak to various agents of players and things like that, and, and just the noises coming out of the players were coming back from training, just like wow, what that guy is doing in training. Honestly, he lifted the entire place, including the young players. Young players were coming back from training, 
just like like they've been in training with Ronaldo or Messi, just absolutely blown away with what he can do. The club were delighted with him. There was a very, you know, Mourinho very carefully set out this kind of return for him, the path, the slow minutes, mostly starting Europa League games. It was all kind of leading to the point he was almost at when the injury hit. Um, of course, they're going to be slightly disappointed what they've got thus far because we're, what, we're three, three months in, three, four months in, um, and he hasn't lit up the place. Um, but I think that was the whole point of the second year, have that option, was if he got up to speed, then that's when you'll see the best of him. Um, and they knew it was going to take a little while. But uh, now I wouldn't say it's disappointing yet. I think if we get to the end of the season or we get into maybe March, April, and we still haven't seen what we know he can do, then I think that's when the yeah, disappointment will set in. Because, you know, Daniel Levy's wanted him back for years. It's been his kind of passion project, and it was never financially viable until this uh, last summer. Uh, so, yeah, he'll be, wanting, he'll be wanting it to happen for him. Yeah, look, one player that we did sign from Real Madrid, though, that has certainly hit the ground running was Sergio Regulon, of course, a guy who, who's really been a very exciting sign, of course, uh, got the assist uh, in the in the Carling Cup semi-final yesterday, a big moment for him. Um, but of course, there is all that all that news that potentially that Real Madrid have the option to to kind of buy him back. Um, how do you see his future at Spurs? Do you think that maybe Spurs are planning for the long future with him, or or do you think maybe he might go back to Real Madrid eventually? Um, I think within Spurs, it's kind of a bit of both. It's uh, there's a hope that he'll be there for the long term. It's about making the player love the club, love being there and want to and be, you know, knowing he's going to be first choice at Spurs, uh, probably for the long haul, which let's be honest, he's not at Real Madrid. He was uh, his third choice when he left. Uh, I even saw he admitted the other day, I can't remember if it was Spanish media or not, essentially Zidane, you know, there's been no contact, there's been nothing, there's no relationship there whatsoever. Um, so at the moment, other than the fact that he's a Madrid boy and obviously you want to play for your boyhood club, I think He'd have to be absolutely incredible at Tottenham, as in, you know, everyone in the world wants his services. I think for Real Madrid to think from a, a even a profit point of view to, to bring him back, um, you know, he's got, I think the option is for the next two summers that they can bring him back and Spurs get a £15 million profit roughly on what they paid for him. Within Spurs, the hope is that, you know, he's a long-term option. They're grooming Ryan Sessegnon to, to kind of come along and be the, the successor. You know, they've got obviously the, say, the wise old man, which sounds ridiculous for a guy in his kind of late 20s, but Ben Davies there kind of working with them both. And, and even, you know, a guy who's had a few injury problems this season, Dennis Serkin, is one for the future as well. So I think they kind of feel that left-back's a really strong spot uh, in the team going forward. Um, and the hope is that Reglon will be there for the long term. And he's certainly, you know, enjoying himself, perhaps too much on Christmas Day. But, you know, he's certainly enjoying himself um, at the club. He's very well uh, liked, very popular. He's a bit of a, bit of a, a nutter in a good way. He's a very big personality. Um, the players have really taken to him, Reggie, as he's called. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's long term because he is, a, you know, the Christmas Day stuff aside, which was daft, he's been a fantastic purchase. Brilliant player. Pretty much as good at defending as he is attacking. If anything, moments like uh, the semi-final with the assist, uh, you kind of want to see him unshackled a little bit more and be able to do more of that because I do feel the fullbacks at the moment are a little bit stuck back on their haunches and he isn't always able to do that. 
Yep. Uh, so just another player that I wanted to ask about was Steven Bergwijn. Now, of course, I saw you reported on the quotes from Jose Mourinho, which I found quite interesting, actually, uh, about the potential in, uh, injury problems that he'd been having. Now, obviously, I think Spurs fans, we saw that first goal that he scored. He scored the, uh, against Manchester City. He scored that brilliant goal against Manchester United. So we see there is a talented player in there. But do you think maybe these injury concerns, uh, is that something to be concerned about for us Spurs fans? Or or do you think that's something you can get over and we might start to see the, the Bergvine we're all expecting? Yeah, I think it's just young player stuff. You know, I always remember, I always kind of hark back to Steven Gerrard when he was first coming through. Obviously, different kind of player. But he always used to, I think it was back problems he used to have as young player. Sometimes when they're young players and they're adjusting to certainly different levels of football, for Gerard, it was coming to the first team. For Bergwijn, it's moving from, you know, I don't want to do the Eredivisie down too much because it's a good league, but it's nowhere near, obviously, the physical level of the Premier League. So he's, you know, he's had to come in, he's had to adjust, and he's getting whacked around the pitch. You know, there's a lot of, uh, if you saw, what was the match he was doing it in? I think it was Leeds, actually. He was taking the ball a lot with his back to goal, trying to spin, getting smacked from behind by very big central defenders that he's probably not been too used to getting. There's a lot of that. And yeah, I, I asked Mourinho about him after the game. I have to admit, sometimes probably people wonder why journalists ask certain questions. I have to admit, sometimes it's self-serving. And it was in that moment I was kind of planning to write a piece about Bergwijn because I've been really impressed, really impressed by it. Of course, he's not scoring goals. That's very clear, and, and everyone's kind of pointed that out, especially the, the misses at Liverpool when he got, you know, he got really silly, unfair abuse for that. But for me, and this sounds ridiculous when you're talking about a player who hasn't scored a goal this season, I think Spurs look more likely to score when he's on the pitch. And the reason behind that is not so much maybe that he's going to provide the goals, but I think he frees up Son and Kane to do what they do best. I think he does a lot of the dirty work, the tracking back, the making the runs, the take defenders away, he'll go on to flick-ons, and everything frees up Kane and Son to have the space to do what they do best. Um, and I think he's been really good, and that was kind of the reason for asking Mourinho about that. I wasn't expecting the injury answer. So kind of when he came out with that, he said, you know, he brings lots of very good things to the team, and then with the injury stuff, it was just that added little thing, because he actually was quite kind of pinpoint on it, and he said it actually means he can't train with the intensity that he wants to, and that's a massive thing as well for a player. Uh, and getting up to speed. But I think you notice it's no coincidence. I think six of the last eight Premier League games he started Bergwijn. Kind of says it. Mourinho doesn't start players out of sentiment. He does it because they do exactly what he wants. Um, and, you know, Lucas Mora used to be the, yeah. the favourite, bringing the apple into the class every day. You know, he's just a bit part player now because of Bergwijn. I wonder, Ali, just on Bergwijn, because obviously like you mentioned there about the abuse he took. You get a feeling with Mourinho that one of the things you have to do is buy into this disciplined way of playing. And, you know, you have to follow and adhere to, you know, every bit of the man's tactical, what am I looking for? The, the, the way he's obviously trying to set up the team to impose himself on the opposition. But I feel that with Bergvine, to some degree, is that because of the nature of being asked to do that defensive job? Is that why we haven't seen the elusive runs, the goal at Man City, the goal against Man United? I just wonder, you know... Are we missing out on the player to some degree because he's being asked to fulfil now more of a defensive approach? Slightly, slightly. I'd say there's there's a confidence issue there as well when it comes to being in front of goal. You know, the Liverpool uh, chances will do that. You know, he had a couple of decent ones against Leeds, didn't he? He flipped a twist and turned and shot one over, which 
probably would have been ruled out anyway for a handball, I think. And then he had a, a good save by the keeper in the second half. I think it's more about the confidence. That'll come. You know, Mourinho said it as well. He said, I believe the goals will come for him because he scored those, you know, the wonderful goal against City in his debut. We know he can do it. He scored a lot of goals for PSD before he made the move that season as well. Um, he's a player that's got all the talent, got all the ability. He only turned 23 like a couple of months ago. He's such a young player with so much potential. Um, yeah, yeah, you'll see that. I think there's an element of Mourinho asking to do certain things, but he's still making those attacking runs. It's just what he does at the end of them. Yeah, look, um, another player that we obviously signed in the summer that we haven't seen a great deal of at the moment is Joe Roden. Now, of course, that is partly due to being ineligible to play in, I think, the League Cup. I think I called it, the, I just realised I called it the Carlin Cup early. I think I got mistaken because that's the I think only time. far worse, don't worry, Jay. <laughs> so I think I do, I might get away with it just about. Um, obviously, he wasn't in the Europa League squad, I don't believe. So when do you think Joe Roden might be able to get his opportunities? Because obviously he is still only young, but we do want to maybe see him start getting those opportunities. So when when do you think they might start to come? Against Marine, you'd hope, would be the first one. Um, I mean, he, he was very unlucky. You know, He was a player that they'd had an eye on for the future. When Scriniar didn't happen in the summer, they went, Okay, well, let, let's make the move on that for the squad. Um, but unfortunately, because of the late nature of the domestic window, it came after the registration deadline for the Europa League. And that was kind of a bit of a killer for his season because he probably would have started most of the Europa League matches. Uh, he really would have. Um, you know, we'd seen that he was getting in ahead of Sanchez on the, on the bench in the Premier League. So it kind of indicates he would have likely started those games. So... I feel, yeah, I do feel sorry for him in that respect. I don't, you know, I feel massively sorry for him because I think he's got a long career ahead of him uh, and at Spurs as well. And I think he did enough in that performance at Stamford Bridge to show, you know, the play is going to be. There are a couple of, you know, rookie errors, which you know are going to come from a young player. Um, but yeah, now he'll get his chances. There'll be injuries. This is the, this is kind of when I speak about the January window and, and Everyone wanting, you know, you see people on Twitter, they kind of do the FIFA football manager thing of, I want this player, A, B, C and D and E and F, they'll be sold and I'll bring in these players. It doesn't really work like that because there's so many games coming, you know, especially if Spurs do well in all the cup competitions. You know, we've got the spectre of Tuesday, Thursday, midweek matches again, you know, four games in a week. Um, and you are going to need two pretty much distinct 11s to play in some of these weeks. Um, so Joe Roden will get his chances. Hopefully, if, you know, I say if, if Spurs don't get past Marine, who I've been speaking a lot to Marine this week, with all respect, they're an eighth tier team. You know, they are, they're not, we're not even talking about conference, we're talking about levels below that. It's an incredible achievement to get to where they have. But if the players that play on that day can't do the job, they shouldn't even play in Tottenham, quite frankly. Um, so hopefully they get past Marine and then if you get a favourable draw in the next one, Roden plays in that and then he's playing FA Cup games, builds him up ahead of steam and then he'll get Premier League minutes as well. But he, he's one for the future. He really is. He's a talented young guy. They've got a lot of faith in him. Bale and Davies absolutely adore him as being the Welsh boy as well. They will really push him for his move. Um, and yeah, he's a good one. Must admit, on a slight tangent... Slightly disappointed that Mourinho's kind of edged away from Tanganga being a centre-back. For me, I still think he could be a fantastic centre-back. I don't really see a long-term career for him as a right-back. I know Mourinho likes his centre-backs playing as right-backs. I think he did it with Ivanovic at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I, I find that quite disappointing. I think even when Tanganga's played this season as centre-back, he's been superb. 
just well, on just on that, Ali. On, just as you mentioned Tanganga there, I want to bring it back to Roden in a second. Are you worried at all about Tanganga and injuries? Because um, you know, one of our good friends of the show, he's become one of the regulars now. Anthony Costa said to me he's really worried about Jaffet Tanganga, just in terms of the way we can't seem to keep him fit. Do you think that's a worry inside the club at the moment in terms of the injuries, or is it a case where hopefully, you know, regular running games will get him, you know, up and running. There won't be those injuries there moving forward. I think it's the young, as I was speaking about with Bergwijn, I think it's the young player thing, isn't it? I think it comes it comes to a kind of a crossroads in a way. It's because it's whether their career becomes defined by those injuries or whether it's just like a growing pains thing. Uh, I remember Harry Winks with his ankle problems. He used to get a lot of them. And essentially, Poch had to tell him, he kind of admitted it publicly, which was surprised that I just had to tell him, look, get over it. You're going to have pain in your ankle for the rest of your career. You just have to deal with it. And I think that's probably going to be the, the tough love that some of these players, unfortunately, are going to have to kind of deal with. You know, with Jaffet, it's, uh, he's had back issues, you know, and he's had other muscle problems this season as well. I think it's, it was unfortunate in the last one. I think it was his shoulder kind of popped out when he, um, he in an aerial challenge. So, yeah, it's just a case of uh, <laughs> sound like an old moany dad. It's not like kind of just suck it up and get on with it. But it's uh, just once you accept you're going to play with a little bit of pain as a footballer always. Um, I, I think it has opened doors for footballers to kind of push on through them. Fair. That's no, absolutely fine. Not a problem. OK, question here, Ali, from Morton at Morton Ag, who says, I'm very interested in the homegrown issue. A thing, Ali, that you regularly pick up on on your YouTube channel, which everyone watches that YouTube channel. They must hear Ali like a broken record on the homegrown. I love the fact you now apologise before you uh, go into the rant about the homegrown and Spurs' issues there. He says, you seem to be the only one who factors this in when talking about transfers. Why is Roden, who grew up playing for a Welsh team, in the English league system, not homegrown in UEFA, was there not talk of a change being made for Cardiff and Swansea? Yeah, I tell you what. Whoever wrote an article, I can't remember who it was. Someone wrote an article for the Guardian about nine years ago about the potential of uh, Cardiff and Swansea coming under a different kind of umbrella in terms of uh, qualifying for you know which association under UEFA's eyes. Oh, they did me no favours whatsoever because essentially that's all I've had ever since. It never came to be. You know, Ben Davies is seen as a foreign player in Europa and UEFA eyes, and Joe Roden's exactly the same. It's no different whatsoever. And Matt Doherty even just missed out on uh, being a, a homegrown player as well. You know, he's seen as a foreign player in Europe as well. So, yeah, yeah unfortunately, it is something I have to counter. It is something I have to repeat. And it is, it's, it's frustrating, especially when, you know, journalists around the world will produce these Spurs want this player report. And and you kind of know that, that that's lovely. And I'm sure they do admire the player. They're sure they've got an interest. But ultimately, you know, if just to put it kind of simply, even just to get Joe Roden into the um, Europa League for the knockout stages, Spurs have to get rid of a player within that squad. So we're not even talking to Jensen or Gazaniga. You're talking about one of those key players. And, I mean, you tell me, those 17 foreign players in that Europa League squad, who you'd sell to let Joe Roden or leave out the squad. It's incredibly tough. So then if you're then throwing into the mix another player that you want to sign, you've got to get two of those out. It's just, it's only Spurs could get themselves into this position, honestly. Two over in the Europa League squad, and they've got the absolute dead-on maximum for the Premier League squad right now. So unless they decide to take the hit 
and just buy a player like Seller, get say say Jensen goes back to Benfica, then you can bring in a player who only plays in the Premier League. Could you do that though? Could you bring in a top player and not have him available for the Europa League final if they get there? That's a big call. One, two players that have really, really impressed this season have been Harry Kane and Shumin Son, of course, scored so many goals, got so many assists. Um, now, there has been a little bit of talk that both of them were kind of looking to sign new contracts. I think um, Son, that seemed like a bit more of a pressing issue for the club. Maybe Harry Kane was, it was only sort of slightly tentative talks in terms of was he going to sign a new contract? But then also stories did come out, that, of course, with the financial pressures um, brought on by covid that maybe Spurs have kind of delayed them. Is is that something that Spurs fans should be worrying about at all? Not at all, not at all. Son will certainly get done. Uh, the player wants to stay. Uh, the club desperately want him to stay. He's a fantastic player. He loves it at the club. Honestly, he's so happy. He's, well, he's always happy, isn't he? I don't think I've ever seen a guy who isn't smiling as much as him. He's just a very, very good guy. Um yeah, that will get done. Obviously, Son's had a change of representation. You know, that obviously delays things slightly. And and for him, it's it's a massive deal, this contract. It's probably his last big contract. So it's got to be right for him. He's only gone to new heights this season. He's global. You know, obviously, we know he's a big star across Asia, of course he is. But I think now people outside the Premier League are starting to realise just how good he is as well. And, and probably outside Tottenham. Uh, we've all known how good he is for years, but I think the consistency is now finding is a whole new level. So that deal will get done. I, I wouldn't worry about that one at all. Kane's probably slightly less pressing. You know, he signed a big, big deal um, until I think it was 2024. So it's like three and a half years or so left on that one. Yeah, three and a half years. And with all Spurs contracts, they often have an option to add another one on top of that anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'd say with Son... That'll happen probably well, as soon as they can kind of tie it all together. With Kane, it may be a chance of maybe getting to the summer, looking at the financial situation and what they can do. But certainly Kane seems to be happy. You know, Ultimately, Kane just wants silverware. He wants to win it at Tottenham. That's yeah, his yeah. Prime, prime goal. Yeah. If he can do it at Tottenham, there's no reason to go anywhere else. Ali, just on Kane. So I've got a question here from Cameron Yolle Jr., regular listener. Cameron, I hope you're well. He says there's a lack of goals outside of Son and Kane. How much of a problem do you think that is for the rest of the season? Yeah, it's a lot of reliance. I'd say it's probably better to be reliant on two players than one. (laughs) You're not going to be a one-man team. So at least if if one's having a bad game, the other one might chip in. So, you know, semi-final, for instance, I didn't think Kane was particularly good. I think he looked a bit off-colour. And I think Son stepped up and did the business. So, yeah, I would say I'd be slightly less worried about a two-man team than I would a one-man team. Um, you yeah, only think on that, Ali. Ali. On that point, Ali, you know, last season on that Amazon doc, we had we had to Soko, Kane, Son, Bergwijn out all at one point. I mean, could we still be a two-man team? Is that all right? Is that enough? Well, Mourinho tells us, and I've got no reason to doubt him because I kind of agree that the squad is there now. Mm. You know, we haven't seen Carlos Vinicius, for example, have a run of games. You know, I think he's, what has he played probably six, seven times. I think he's got three goals, three assists in Europa League. The guy knows where the net is. So we, we, we don't know. Whereas last season, you know, when Kane was out injured, they were having to throw Son up there to he was injured, Lucas up there, Bergwijn played up there, Delhi played up there. You've now got, uh, proven goal scorer, you know, top scorer in Liga Nos last year. Um, 
who can come in and score those goals. So I, I won't worry about that too much. Like I say, with the people like Bergwijn, it's a confidence thing. Um, Lucas, yeah, Lucas seems to have only be able to score in Europe this year, which is a bit weird, other than the one Premier League guy. I don't know what's happened there with him. Um, but yeah, you, you're going to get players like Ondebele pushing further up the pitch now. The goals will come. They will. I think it's just that everything's being played through Son and Kane at the moment. Everything's going to them. A bit like, um, I wish I remember Pochettino said when Moussa Dembele left, he said, maybe you'll see, you know, whether he was right or not is another thing, but he always said, maybe you'll see now that more of the play goes through other players because everyone looked for Moussa with the ball. And I do kind of feel that with Son and Kane. They just think they'll score and they pass it to them. And I think that's probably why they get the bulk of the chances and therefore also because of their class, the bulk of the goals. To bring it on to the uh, January transfer window, and of course now um, chance for Spurs maybe or maybe not to bring in some new players. Um, of course, we know January is a very difficult time for players to come into the club. Obviously, prices are always going to be inflated. Um, clubs are going to be reluctant to allow options in their squad to go. So do, do you potentially see any incomings at Spurs at all? Is that a possibility? It depends on the outgoings. It's so tied into the outgoings, it's untrue because... Yeah, they kind of have gone from having a squad that didn't have enough options to having one that's it's kind of verging on bloated, really. Um, I mean, if you look at the, you know, they, like we say, you can't fit Jensen or Gazaniga in the Europa League squad. Danny Rose isn't even registered for any squad. Uh, then you look at, you've got Sessegnon, Skip, Parra out on loan. Three players that, you know, they really do factor in for the future, you know. Um it's going to have to be, it would have to, I think, be a, quite a big departure to then warrant a big incoming. Um, and it has to match that. So like I say, you know, if, say, Delhi were to go, you can't really then bring in a big foreign player to replace him. You probably have to look for a, a British alternative. Um, same with a defender. You know, I, people have said about bringing another centre-back, but I think that only happens if a defender goes. And And, you know, would that be a, that's a risk in itself. You know, Davinson Sanchez back in the team. Would you then sell him? Can you get the uh, the money for him? You know, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's so tied in with the outgoings uh, for financial reasons, for squad limit reasons. Um, personally, you know, of course, as a journalist and of course, as fans, we all want to see transfers. It's exciting. You know, I think I said this the other day when I did something like, none of us play FIFA or Football Manager and, and go through a transfer window and don't buy anyone because it's just a bit weird. And I think we kind of expect so that in real life as well. Um, yeah. It's exciting, you know? And uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see whether Mourinho's comments the other day, he very much was clear, I don't expect any incoming transfers. They didn't kind of rule out the fact that he kind of would like one. I'm sure he would. I mean, he's admitted this in the past. Managers are never happy. They always want to improve. They want to build. But whether in this year, I think they did... I, I probably don't even think Spurs and a, obviously a man under fire, Daniel Levy, you know, he always gets criticism and, and, you know, Steve Hitchin was in charge of the recruitment as well. I don't think they probably got enough credit for what they did in the summer. I think in the tight financial parameters they had to work within. Uh, and like I say, the squad issues, I think they did a pretty impressive job in what they did. Um, and I just wonder whether that comes back to bite them slightly now in the January window that funds are even tighter. Um, so yeah let's see who goes out and then perhaps we'll get someone in one of those Ali potentially in that many fans I see are 
tweeting you about, asking you about on YouTube videos is Marcel Sabitza. Uh, a player that, you know, is, comes with a very, you know, high-profile, you'd say, looks the part. You know, some fantastic YouTube show reels, as we've always seen with some of these players. Uh, impressive box-to-box midfielder. Scored against us, as we know, RB Leipzig, Tottenham, in the in the Champions League to knock us out. What can you tell us? I know you've said previously on YouTube, your YouTube channel, that he's a player that Tottenham like. Is that as far as it goes at the moment? Is it just a player that Tottenham like, as we're at, talking right now? At the moment, yeah. At the moment, he's a fantastic player, very versatile player. He's someone that they've um, admired for a little while now. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's there has to be room for him essentially, and there has to be the money because at the moment he's not cheap. For me, I think for any club, it probably doesn't actually make much sense to go for him in this window. He's a, uh, I think, if I'm not wrong, he's got a year left from the summer. So we know, and we know the way Spurs operate. That's the window to go for him. The same with um, Hoybier. You know, they looked at him in the January. They thought about him, but the figures coming out of Southampton were just um, uh, not right now. They waited, and then they got him for a ridiculous price. You know, God, talk about one of the bargains of the summer, Hoybier. Um, And I think that's what they'd look to do with Sabitzer. You know, I think it was quite interesting that Leipzig have been talking about um, renewing his contract, but they're going to put that off to the spring. Um, and I think the player himself probably, you'd imagine, might make that spin out until the summer because I think there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him then. And I just think right now, financially, it's a tough one to do. And, you know, I think you'd have to... I can't even imagine who'd leave to to create the space for another kind of midfield, a foreign midfield player in the squad. But, yeah, certainly a player they really, really like. Yeah, look, now another player who was very strongly linked in the summer, I think that... Obviously, he's really seems to have come back into the fold at Inter now. So, obviously, that player being Milan Skriniar, um, I'm sure maybe Spurs will eventually want to address that centre-back area. But is that a player that we might see come come uh, come to Spurs in January? It's, I think it's so difficult now. Like you say, he's he's starting every single match. He's he's he had a period of quarantine at the start of the season. Since he came back from that, he's yeah. I only looked at him the other day, kind of looking at how he'd been doing and. And he is, he's playing full 90 minutes every single match. And I think there were some quotes from him in the last couple of days saying that he never wanted to leave, which, well, you know, I think I think that's what you'd say now as a player, of course. Uh, everything I understood at the time, he was, you know, quite happy to come to Spurs. He wasn't, he wasn't a guaranteed choice to start matches, you know. It's a very different situation for him now. And I think, unfortunately, that has a knock-on effect for the price and stuff like that. Suddenly, he's a very important player for Inter Milan. Um, and, you know, I remember back in the summer, it was uh, Milan wanted, uh, I, sorry, Inter wanted um, about, I think it was around 42 to 45 million. Spurs were only looking to pay around 32. That price hasn't come down. And, and Spurs, you know, again, oh, it's so boring. I bore myself saying it, but finances and foreign player stuff, you've got to sort that out first before you can get in a player like that, you know, that value as well. And, I think there's others sniffing around, you know, I think Liverpool have been sniffing around him as well. Um, and I do, I, do, I do worry slightly that if, if Liverpool were to come in, then they could come in maybe with the kind of offer that uh, into Wood part with him for. Ali, bearing in mind what we're talking about now in terms of finances, I find the next one highly unrealistic. 
but you know, we'll throw it out there to you. I know you're laughing already as I'm, as I'm about to say this. So Spurs, we're said to be monitoring uh, Sergio Ramos's situation at Real Madrid. Now again, by all accounts, he's yet to agree a new contract there. And um, if you want to believe what you read, you know, he could be set to leave for free in the summer. I mean, I think this is again a bargaining tool. Probably to get him a new contract at Real Madrid. Um, is there any way in which you can see Spurs being able to financially afford Sergio Ramos? My God, I, I just can't believe I'm even asking you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Um, he, well, I mean, let's, let's use the Mourinho quotes. He recently said about William that Spurs didn't even consider going in for William on a free transfer because the wages are just not even in their ballpark. Can you imagine what Sergio Ramos's would be as a free agent, they would just be astronomical. And the guy is 34. Um, and if I'm not wrong, I don't think he and Mourinho have got the greatest of relationships. I'd be very, very surprised if uh, Ramos was, you know, desperately ringing up uh, Jose looking to come and play for him again. I don't think they were the best of mates. Um, that one, yeah, strikes me as a let's kind of fit these pieces together because it makes sense in terms of the words on the page, a former player, free transfer, all of that. But I actually think in kind of reality, yeah, that'd be an incredible deal. Terrific player, but I just can't, can't see the wages. You know, you're talking about PSG kind of ballpark wages. Uh, I can't see, you know, maybe Man City perhaps, but yeah, unfortunately not Tottenham yet. Another potential incoming. And now for me, I, I definitely wouldn't go back to this one. I think a lot of people kind of talked about it on Twitter and that player being Christian Eriksen. Now, for me, I just don't think he was, the, you know, even at Spurs, he just wasn't the same player. And I think that he's gone to Inter and he still had those confidence issues. So me personally, I, I wouldn't take him back. Yes, I do think it's an area that Spurs do need to improve on, but I wouldn't have him back at Spurs. Is that a deal that Spurs might look at um, this window at all? It's a tough one because yeah, Christian Eriksen was such a good player for Spurs. He really was. Until that kind of the dip towards the end, you know, he was one of the best players in the Premier League. And I think there's a feeling within Spurs, unfortunately, is that would you be able to get that player back? You know, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, thought he maybe he just needed that fresh start. He needed to go to another club, show what he could do, and you'd see the old Eriksen back. And that didn't happen. You know, he's got someone else and still played the same way he was playing. Um, yeah, I mean, unless unless there was some kind of loan deal to be had, uh, and again, foreign player issues, um, <laughs> if they could sort that out and it was a loan that sued all parties, maybe, but I can't see any real kind of likelihood of that happening. It would... Uh, yeah, unless there's a kind of late movement in the window and suddenly Spurs get rid of a player, into desperately want someone and need to get uh, Ericsson off the books. Yeah, I can't see it. It's a bit, you know, can you imagine anyone that's uh, saying that Bale isn't doing the job having come back, you know, then you're essentially doing the same thing again, bringing back a player and one who would have left way out of form and expecting to come back and a player who wanted to leave. I'd be interested to know how that would go down with fans. As well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine any as well, just on Ericsson. With that contract situation, the way he did run that contract down, I can't imagine Daniel would have been that, you know, enamoured with that situation. Well, no, but I mean, we saw it in the Amazon documentary. He was desperately trying to keep him. Yeah, you know, was, they yeah, were throwing yeah. money at him. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, you, you do partly wonder whether that was so they didn't lose him for no money at all or, or a reduced fee like they did in the end. But, yeah, he, he was a quality player in his day. And I just, uh, he needs to go somewhere and kind of, you know, we, we've spoken about Jetson in this respect, but Ericsson's kind of come to his own little crossroads. I think he needs to rebuild his career somewhere. It may even be spending half a season on loan back at Ajax or somewhere like that, going back to his roots, just to get his mojo back. He's probably in the in the, in the Deli Alley scenario right now where it's just not working for him. And I just don't think being stuck into the pressure cooker of Spurs again with the fans who would be on his back, and it would be understandable, uh, I think, to a degree, and having Mourinho's demands on him, I don't think that's the right place for him to rebuild himself again. Fantastic. Ali, before we finish up, we're going to try and just do a few quick-fire listener questions before we ask yeah. you what constitutes success for Tottenham. So that's something to kind of think over. An easy, an easy question, of course, to end with. Ali, we can't leave, let you leave without yeah. you know, a very simple question. Um, before we do, let's just rattle through some of these listener questions here. Uh, Pavi Spurs. Again, this striker's name doesn't go away, despite the window, whatever the month... <laughs> I've seen this is a yeah, Curtis Lucas 18. I've seen the Diabala link again. We're seriously lacking a bloke with the skills to link up the middle to the top. If we just splashed out and bought him an Apacarmano, however you would spell it, we would be serious challenges for the title. Are we those two players short of being champions? Simple as that. I think about £160 million pounds short of those two players. <laughs> I think that's the problem. I think. They're both wonderful players, yeah. but I think, you know, you're looking at incredible figures for both of them. Um, yeah, I think, unfortunately, probably the Davala moment, is, I think, is probably past, certainly mm. for now. Um, Upper Mancano is, yeah, he's going to be wanted by almost every club in Europe, and they'll be able to get a, a you know, ridiculous fee, and he'll be able to ask for the wages, whatever he likes from anyone. Um yeah, probably, probably a no, I'd say, on both of those. OK, great. Uh, Raul Giudicaro asked the question, with Luis Campos, Jose's best mate, leaving Lille as director of football, and Trevor Birch, our director of football, leaving the club, will Spurs attempt to hire Luis Campo down the line? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of a misunderstanding on that one with people. Trevor Birch was not Spurs' director of football. Um, he was a guy that essentially did a lot of uh, kind of the admin stuff around the training ground, things like that. Spurs... Director of football, if we're going to put it in that term, is Steve Hitchin. He is, um, I think his title is something like technical performance director, something like that. But essentially, he's Spurs um, director of football. And as I said, at a very good summer window. So, I, I yeah, I don't think Lewis Campos, I don't think they're going to oust Steve Hitchin when he's only been appointed a couple of months ago into that role uh, for Lewis Campos. You know, we know what Lewis Campos has done fantastic recruitment uh, you know at the clubs he's been but yeah that would seem a little bit harsh <laughs> what makes me laugh is that our transfer guru Steve Hitchin hates transfers I mean it's isn't it quite unique isn't it no, I'm going to stick up for him on that one that was so taken out of context <laughs> essentially he, what he said was the January transfer window is a nightmare to buy players yes, yes. and it is that's it all is, it is right, but yeah right. oh my god I saw after that Amazon episode came out it's just like that's so wrong. They're just kind of taking a. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm a journalist. Obviously, we're going to get accused of taking. Ali, you've got to defend the, defend the line, Ali. Defend the line if you've got to defend them. But yeah, but yeah, no, I just think I thought that one was a little bit unfair. On Especially to see the job he did as well. Yeah, oh yeah, incredible the summer. I mean, this one is from Ben Wayman who says, 
Do you realistically see a youngster the likes of Dennis Serkin, Harvey White, Dane Scarlett breaking into this squad or making a league appearance this year? This year? Probably say Harvey White's got the best chance. Um, Very well thought of, doing very well. He's on the bench for the semi-final um, in the Carabao Cup. So, yeah, I'd say he's probably got the best chance if there's a couple of injuries. Dane Scarlett's a terrific young talent, but, you know, he's 16. Uh, very, very young 16 as well. You know, he's... Uh, I thought that was magnificent when he got his, his opportunity. That, that was superb. And, you know, we're all willing that ball to go into the net when he had that late chance yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't forget Jack Clark as well. He's, he's kind of in the mix if he does stick around. I'd say Harvey White out of that bunch. Dennis Serkin, like I say, had his problems with injuries and he's got a few players ahead of him. It's a, it's a very crowded kind of left-back spot at the moment. Um yeah, I'd go for Harvey White out of that bunch. OK, and Ben also, to a follow-up, says also, what's the odds of Spurs recording Ollie Skip this month? That does, and also, does the development of Ollie Skip make Jose second-guess about the need for a defensive midfielder? I mean, this is, again, you know, although we know Spurs aren't going to be massively busy in January, again, it kind of, there's a lot of talk out there. Spurs are looking for someone to kind of come in to be that backup to Hoybier. With Skip and the rave reviews he's getting at Norwich, is there really a need for that? Yeah, well, it's a two-part kind of, answer to that one uh in terms of bringing him back this january i think that'd be really counterproductive i think he's doing superbly at norwich he's absolutely flying norwich fans love him they all want to keep him which unless spurs agreed to another year that's not going to happen uh i think he's yeah he's doing everything that spurs wanted and thought he could do there and i've seen some of the daniel parker quotes have been superb they've essentially saying i played him in a defensive midfield role and he's shone we had a, I can't remember the player's name. He had another player came in, I think it was Tete maybe, and he's had to move slightly forward. And he's absolutely been a box-to-box midfielder like we wanted. And he said, and he's not making mistakes. And we kind of forget how young he is. Yeah, and yeah. that actually shouldn't be the case. He shouldn't yeah. be going through games not making mistakes. Um, and, you know, I remember asking him, uh, Mourinho about him, and it came out with that famous quote, uh, say famous, that quote that everyone remembered about how he's a future Tottenham Hotspur captain. Mm. And that's how highly they believe in him. And I must admit, when I saw the talk about bringing another defensive midfielder, I was kind of surprised because for me, what he's doing at Norwich and what he'll show, I have no doubt, when he comes back for pre-season next summer, he's the guy to, I'd probably go as far to say, not only be the guy that can cover for Hoybier, but I actually think he could end up being the best choice to play alongside him. Because I think Mm. in that double pivot, Mm. you know, I do think he's got the ability to get up the pitch and create as well. Yeah. He's got that in his locker. Um, and, you know, we don't know what where Winks, kind of where his head will be at next summer and yeah. whether he has kind of a view to maybe moving on. And, and if he does, I do think Skip comes in with a very big role to play. I think he's a terrific young player. England under 21 international, regular now. Really is one to watch. I, I've, you know, I've been very fortunate to watch a lot of him at academy level. Yeah. Um, and he's been one I've been excited about for years and I'm love, loving it when you see these players doing it. Yeah. Final, final two questions before we let Jay finish the show. Um, this is the final transfer one you'd be delighted to hear, Ali. This is from Mason <laughs> at FTBL. Mason who says, Miriam de Morel is likely to leave his club. Would we go in for a centre-back of that calibre? Uh, another one that Spurs like. They really did have a little think about him um, when it was kind of hit. It was between him and Skriniar. Um in the summer, they had a look at him. Juventus weren't too keen to to let him go. I think he's only he's, 
he's had a tough one because I think he had a really bad injury. He only just came back from at the start of the season. Mm. Um, I think Spurs will keep an eye on his situation. Like I say, foreign player issues, all that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think if the scenario came up where they could get him and the space open up in the squad, I think they would seriously look at him because they do like him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still very young. He's only about 22, 23. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I say, that scenario has to kind of present itself first. Ali, I lied. There's one, one that just come to mind, I must ask you. Uh, the Fiorentina central defender, uh, is it Milinkovic? I think also a very popular name that's kind of been on the radar. Again, any interest on Tottenham on him at all? I haven't heard too much about him. He okay. hasn't been a name that's come up, but, you know, he's, as in he hasn't come up when I've uh, kind of speaking to people within and around Spurs, but yeah, he's another talented guy that yeah. everyone in Europe will probably be keeping an eye on and, yeah. and agents will link here, there and everywhere with him. Yeah. Well, got to say, over the hundred questions we've had, guys, I hope I've done it justice. I hope I've asked Alistair every name that you've kind of thrown at us so far on the last one on Spurs. Ali, talking trophies. So we've been talking about on this show for far too long and we have got a cup final on the approach. I can't believe I'm saying that. Such a nice thing to say that. Richie Tolan says, if we don't win a trophy... Would this be the best Tottenham team to not win anything in the modern era, as we find ourselves at the moment with Jose Mourinho at the helm of the club? It's a tough one. If you're talking about team, it depends. I mean, if you're having a fully fit, firing Gareth Bale, Son and Kane up front, mm. you know, the quality of that, Ondembele in there, Hoybier. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the very, very best right now. I think it's the best squad. I'd definitely say it's the best squad. I think certainly, um, you know, in Pochettino, the kind of absolute pomp of the Pochettino time when you had Dembele, you know, smashing it, you had Kane scoring, you had Ali scoring, you had Son scoring. I think maybe the first 11, perhaps, was the best team to not win a trophy. Um, certainly, this would be the best squad not to, but I'm hopeful that'll happen anyway, and it won't be won't be something we have to talk about. Yeah, look, and, and just the final question, of course, you know, Spurs still in full competitions, as you mentioned, got a fantastic squad, got a guy in charge who's won so many trophies everywhere he's been. So, kind of, what what do you think would constitute a successful season for Spurs uh, this term? Maybe you shouldn't look back at your exes and all that, but I think it has to be an improvement on what Pochettino did. So. If if it's top four, great. And I think, but I think it has to come with a trophy. I think that's the kind of the key element, isn't it? I think Mourinho wants silverware. You know, he's made it very clear he's not going to. He doesn't expect to leave Spurs as the only club that he didn't win silverware at. And I think, I think this season, you know, I just kind of get that feeling. I think they're going to do it. I think I've said this before. Um, you know, I was set to kind of go away on a, well, say go away on a holiday. It would have been there probably nixed anyway by the situation in the world anyway, but I pushed it off because I just felt that it was going to be, it was going to be in the week that Spurs were going to be in a cup final. So I kind of pushed off the family holiday, not much to my wife's annoyance. Uh, we had to rebook everything. Uh, and that's because I do, I do have confidence in while you might not like his style, you might not like the way he deals with things sometimes. Mourinho wins stuff. He really does. And I think, you wouldn't bet against him in, you know, one-off cup games against any team in England. Um, and yeah, and I hope that's I hope that's what'll come. So yeah, success for me, trophy in top four. Love it. 
It's very rare, Ali, that we speak to you where a quadruple still on. I mean, this is quite incredible. We're, uh, what was it, January, the 6th of January, in all four competitions. Listen, always a pleasure. Ali, thank you so much for coming on. Got to give a massive shout out. Ali, where can we find the YouTube videos? I've got to keep you know, pushing this because uh, always, I mean, I feel like they're more regular than ever at the moment, Ali, aren't they, these YouTube videos that you put out there? It's because there's so many matches, so much <laughs> to talk about. Um, yeah, you can just find me on YouTube. Just just type in Alistair Gold, I'm there. And obviously all my writings on London all the time. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Ali, we hope for you it's, um, well, I hope for you it's a busy window. Can I say that? I hope for you that you've got lots to write about, lots to yeah. talk about. And um, I hope that we're all, uh, at the end of it, very, very happy by what we've done. Yeah, sounds good to me, mate. Absolute start. Jay, thank you ever so much. No, my pleasure. I thought it was a really, really enjoyable show. Of course, some great stuff from Alistair and always really enjoyable to listen to him. So, yeah, really good show. Fantastic. Ali, thank you as always. And I'd say we'll be looking forward to having you back on, uh, hopefully, later in the season. Definitely. Okay, guys, listen, keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.